Alexa likes to say Kiwanuka. Yeah, I really like Michael Kiwanuka. He drops hot fire anytime he is on the mic. He's one of those acoustic guitarists with a little electric, bluesy, down home, bluegrassy, folksy. Just got that old school shit people like to hear nowadays. Take you back to those nostalgic times when you were listening to four string guitars outside your granny's church in old Kentucky or wherever the hell you're from. I'm generalizing. I'm overgeneralizing. Um, what's up? How's everybody doing? Um, it is Wednesday, May 18th. No, it is Wednesday, May 16th. I'm two days ahead of myself and I'm chilling. I'm a little upset because the podcast I initially wanted to record for Real Spiel number 13, which is an unlucky number and I should have known something was going to happen with it. The podcast I initially wanted to record was a live game commentary of Golden State versus the Houston Rockets game one, which occurred on Monday. However, we had some technological difficulties and some incompetence issues, and I won't say any names. <coughs> that was a real call. I wasn't going to say anybody's name. But he knows who he is, and he shall not be named. But somebody out there doesn't know how to use Logic Pro. Thus, the podcast that shall not be named or shall not be heard by anyone ever, Hot Fire, is forever lost. And... I was pretty pissed about it, but we're over it, we move forward, and we put out new content. And at the end of the day, it's a lesson learned. You know, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Because I had a gut feeling when we were initially about to record that something might go wrong. But I was also illegally streaming the game on my laptop. Don't ask me why. It's because I refused to pay for cable. So as I was saying, I was illegally streaming the game from my laptop. I didn't also want to record a podcast on same said laptop. 
leading to an inevitable crash. But I'm doing the same thing that I was afraid of doing that Monday right now as I'm streaming things from YouTube while also recording this podcast about nothing. I might change the title to the podcast about nothing. It suited Jerry Seinfeld. I heard that he turned down $110 million to do a 10th season of Seinfeld. That's crazy. That is crazy. Oh, train's coming. Yeah, we live, baby. Raw. Real. You get all the feelings, all the sense of the city. The same thing I'm hearing, smelling and feeling. You're hearing, smelling and feeling. Yeah, I said smelling. It's all a matter of imagination. How good is yours? But yeah, like I was saying, Jerry Seinfeld turned down $110 million to do a 10th season of Seinfeld that NBC offered him. Now that now that's balls right there. That's real courage of convictions. Everybody talks about Chappelle, who also should get all the praise in the world for turning down $50 million from Comedy Central because he ain't want those white devils taking over his content. But at the end of the day, turning down $110 million? Damn. I think it's because Seinfeld had the foresight to know, well, the internet's coming, digital innovation, I mean somebody's going to buy this content. And the kids who are coming along are going to think I'm funny too. So some platform will pay for this shit. And that's what ended up happening. I'm pretty sure Hulu or whoever bought all those Seinfeld episodes gave him and Larry David a nice, basically blank check for like half a billy, half a billy each. Let's go ahead and take that. Not to mention the fact that Jerry never stopped touring. Larry had curb your enthusiasm. I mean... Type A's, those creative types never stop creating, you know. And that's why it's never about the money for them, you know. It's a really, really great thing when you hear stuff like that. It's rare, you know. And that's why when you do hear it, people all flock to the story like, damn, that's crazy. Shit, I couldn't have been me. Or you could have tied me up, wrote me up for another 10 seasons for 110. Yeah, I bet. But that's why you're not out there creating Seinfeld. But I just thought that story was crazy. Another crazy thing I heard today, LeBron James down 0-2. I didn't have to hear that because I watched it happen. It's another thing I was upset about. You know what really grinds my gears? Staying up for basketball games just so these niggas can give up in the fourth quarter. What the fuck? Bruh, I was up until... 11 o'clock, watching a very competitive Eastern Conference Finals game between the Boston Celtics and NBA Cleveland Cavaliers, when all of a sudden, the Cavs decided to lay down. They just decided to bow down, bro. And I understand. It's quite amazing, the fact that these young gunners out here breaking you off something like a Kit Kat bar. But Jason Tatum ain't that good, bro. I mean, he is really, really good, and he has a lot of potential to be one of the best scorers the NBA's ever seen, based on what I'm seeing. But he should not be taking all y'all boys to school like this. Jason Tatum's taking these. He looks like Kobe out there. When I saw him step through with the underneath, ooh, finger roll looking like George Gervin mixed with a little James Harden. He's a giant Puerto Rican out there putting boys on skates. But he's from the Louis, so I rep St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, Cardinal boy. 
Yeah. Went to Chaminade High. Same high school as um, somebody else. But, yeah, he's a beast. He's the best player on their team to me because he's only 19. And he really is, like, their go-to scorer on a lot of sets. Jalen Brown's a beast as well. The fact that he's been able to develop that long-range shot efficiently. Boy, he's shooting like 40% from three, and he did not come out of UCLA or uh, I think Cal, wherever he went. He went to one of them California schools. He did not come out of there shooting like that, so that was crazy. That was crazy. And this with Kyrie on the bench with the 1978 beard looking hella rough. No, no edge. He's got that childish Gambino and just watching Terry Rozier go to work. And these and these idiot journalists out there talking about, oh, Kyrie Irving might need to get traded. Man, you need to trade professions. You need to pick up a trade profession. How about that? Because that's crazy. That's crazier than the fact that the Celtics are balling on the Cavs right now. Even though it's really not that wild because the Celtics are the better team. They really are. Cohesively, functionally, defensively, for sure. I mean, Al Horford is out here looking like a new man. I mean, he never fell off with the Hawks. I mean, never lost. But for some time there with the Celtics, I mean, they were looking kind of stagnant offensively. I mean, I don't think they really figured out their groove when Kyrie was out there. Because, honestly, I think that they play as a more cohesive unit when he's off the floor I think it's the same thing that teams get into with the LeBron syndrome I mean Kyrie takes a lot of dribbles I think him watching this run was the best thing that could happen to him and Gordon Hayward you know I hope Gordon Hayward comes back 100% and when he does I really don't know what the Celtics are going to do with their roster they're going to have pieces to trade because I'm pretty sure they still got a draft pick and all these boys are young. Jalen's 21. Tatum's 19. Uh, Marcus Smart ain't but 23, 24. You got Terry Rozier out here, 23. You know, just got a bunch of young cats that are hungry, man, and want it. So the Celtics are going to be around for a long time to come, and they're basically the Warriors East because they're built exclusively through the draft. And a couple free agents, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, for the Warriors, you had Durant and Nick Young. And I know I'm not saying Nick Young's on the same caliber of Durant or Kyrie, but I'm just saying the Warriors found their little pieces where they could. David West, you know, but obviously the main piece being Kevin Durant, that's pushed them into another stratosphere in terms of greatness. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Unfairness. Unfairness in basketball. And I mean unfair criticism. All right? Because in terms of actual movement, right, player movement in the NBA and the history of the NBA, Kevin Durant's gotten a lot of flack. LeBron James has gotten a lot of flack. Players post-2008 have gotten a lot of flack. And I use 2008 as the barometer because that's the year that it seemed okay for all the Celtics to come together. And I mean that 2008 Celtics with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Everybody forgets about that super team, right? And it's because the general managers were the ones that 
put the players together, right? Two years later, LeBron got a little ahead of the game and said, you know what, I'm tired of getting controlled by these owners and general managers and business operators. I know what's better for me than they do. I know the game of basketball, and guess what? I want to play with my friend Dwayne Wade, so I'm going to South Beach. That's the train. But for some reason, when he decided to make that decision as a sound and wise businessman and athlete, he was pulled through the coals. Why was my boy raked over coals? Because we got a lot of haters out there. We got a lot of haters sipping on that aid. Sipping on that aid, son. Instead of worried about their own, trying to change their own situation, they'd rather point at somebody else and focus on what they got going on and how they can bring them down. I call it the crab in the bucket mentality. So at the end of the day, players are taking ownership and a little autonomy over their ability to bounce from city to city when they want to. And also take shorter term deals in the process. Yeah. Y'all not thinking about the economics of the whole situation. Because from an economic standpoint, what these teams have been able to do is determine the player's value every three to five years. And that's why you had these super free agent deals where two and three teams would get together behind closed doors and decide where a major superstar would go. Well, now these superstars say, you know what? The league is built on the back of the jersey, not the logo. Same thing NFL, son. You can see my face. My name on my shoe. I got designer shoes. So you are the last person to decide where I'm going to go. can play a role in hiring you and worse firing you so at the end of the day LeBron Kevin Durant all these dudes just took a chapter out of the owner's playbook and as players gain more power through revenue and through media and just fandom at the end of the day fans want to see players as players figure more and more of this out it's only going to ruffle more and more feathers. You know? And 2008 wasn't the first time that a super team came together either. Based on ownership or based on executive leadership making decisions. Because the Lakers have been picking up big men from other teams and stealing smaller franchises' best players since 1970s, boy. Look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You look at Will Chamberlain. Look at Shaq, all three big men, all taken from smaller cities, all gone straight to the Lakers. But if you want to look at even another great franchise out east, Philadelphia, they took Moses Malone, a great two-time MVP with Houston, another big man. Took him out to 76ers to play with Dr. J and win a championship. So teams have been doing this for years. Celtics have done it. It's just part of the game, man. They picked up Dennis Johnson former super team with Larry Bird and uh, John Havlicek and uh, uh, no not John Havlicek uh, uh, Parrish and it's my boy down low I can't think of his name coach for the Houston Rockets damn I'm shooting myself I'm trying not to fact check and look at the internet Um, but yeah you know one of the greatest postmen of all time Kevin McHale damn yeah, Kevin McHale. So, yeah, they all been former super teams. And back then it was more so through the draft and free agency. But free agency existed. It was just 
the owners taking the rights from the players back then. And now players have more rights and people just don't like it. And that goes back to your own broke-ass problems. And I realized that about myself, man. I used to hate on the fact that NCAA athletes should get paid. You know, my hang-up always was, well, you know, they should make money, but the college shouldn't pay them. The college broke. Shit, I gotta go to classes like everybody else, man. But, you know, I was a hater, bro. At the end of the day, they're producing, all right? And when you haven't produced anything, you know, having worked in sales a few years outside of the university landscape, it really pisses me off, this socialistic, communist-like mindset, all these Marxists out here thinking that everything equal, you know? I don't want people taking pieces of my commission the same way if I'm producing a lot on the field, I don't want, you know, some lesser player taking a lot off my plate in terms of tuition, you know? That tuition pot shouldn't be equal for everybody, especially not in college basketball. College football is a little harder because you got the linemen and, you know, you got the kickers and you got the backup quarterback and the third stringers and you got the other athletics that are supported by the university. So at the end of the day, I still believe that the NCAA shouldn't exist and they need to come up off some of those billions that they're hoarding as an governing body. But the individual universities just have to do a better job of managing their funds and maybe allocating a little bit to a pot for the players. And maybe it shouldn't be the universities paying the students directly, but it needs to be a situation where the laws and regulations around scholarships are rewritten. You know, if I'm a player and I have a likeness, I should be able to profit off that likeness. I heard about a kicker at Vanderbilt University that had a podcast and he was making money off the podcast because the dude might be talented. Maybe he's funny. Maybe people wanted to hear the kicker from Vanderbilt pour his feelings after he misses a big kick against Tennessee or some shit. Who knows? But people were listening. They were tuning in. He was getting ad revenue and the school didn't like it. So they told him to shut down shop or lose his scholarship. And of course, as the prudent businessman he is, he shut down shop, gonna finish up school get that degree in journalism, media education, and maybe take that to whatever. But it'll be a learning experience for him. And, you know, maybe he'll fight the good fight for the next dude that wants to start a podcast or some clothing line or whatever. Maybe he just wants to go to a club and promote his own name and make a little cash off of it. You know, it's, it's messed up. I remember when Tyron Matthew was getting in trouble at LSU. Honey Badger don't care because uh, he had his picture on some promotional signs for some party. And they wanted to get him in trouble for that. It's like, bro, I understand, you know, you want to say he smokes too much weed, but come on, man. Bro can't control who uses his likeness for some party promotion. He probably wasn't even at the party. They just know the party going to be lit if people think Tyron there. Because Honey Badger don't give a damn. But yeah, man, it's pretty fun thinking about all this stuff and having these thoughts to share with people that actually care. I got six listens and a download on my first podcast. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Because, you know, I have these thoughts amongst myself, and I never think anybody cares or wants to hear, except for my peers. And that's probably all I listen to with my peers. But from there, you know, maybe we grow a little audience and form a little community of you know, just people who you know, want to share information. That's all it's about is just sharing information, sharing thoughts, sharing some concepts, different perspectives, you know. I don't plan on making any money off this thing. It's just for fun, man. It's really therapy, a little cathartic release because can't really get these thoughts out any other way. 
you know, you can talk to other people and bore them to death, have relationships with friends where you're very repetitive, which I do that too, and they love me for it. But at the end of the day, you know, this is for me and this is for y'all, and, you know, I hope people enjoy it. I'm going to keep doing it, whether people enjoy it or not. But I've gotten some positive feedback just in the first week, you know, just the first few episodes I've done. It's the fourth train. I haven't been keeping count. I hope you have. Yeah, I'm going to let it ride out. But I've gotten some really positive feedback, you know, just in the first few episodes I've done. And this is the first one I've done solo in a while outside of iHeart Studio. This is where it all started was at iHeart Studio, for those that don't know. I took a job at iHeartRadio part-time working as a board operator and sound engineer on lightning hockey games and doing some political talk radio and found my voice a bit there and heard from some different walks of life than I had ever thought and, you know, it really opened up my mind and forced me to think about things in a different way. You know, before that I was gung-ho on being a lawyer, you know, working in sports law and being an attorney and doing the Jerry Maguire lifestyle literally just because I saw that movie and I wanted to do it like so many other people and you know I interned a couple different places in the legal field in the sports market NFLPA Tampa Bay Buccaneers DC courthouse up here and made some connections that I still have and hold dear and those people will forever be my friends but that path wasn't for me you know I wanted to walk a life Someone who, you know, made their own decisions and wasn't beholden to clients or players or a boss or an organization that I represented or that represented me out in the public space that I had no control or say so over. And at the end of the day, it just came about, it just became about me wanting to own my own and have a little more say so and a little more free will and freedom. And that's something I hadn't really thought about. You know, people always ask you what you want to do when you're a kid and what you want to accomplish. And for me, I just thought about how other people would see me as an adult. And I thought about the type of jobs that other adults had outside of my family. And I was a first-generation college student. I had cousins that gone and dropped out. Brother went and dropped out. My mom got her first degree after me. So... When I went to school, it was a guessing game. You know, I just picked the degree that was closest to sports because I played sports all my life. So I just picked the degree that was in sports. The first degree I picked was exercise science. and I didn't know shit about physics or chemistry or labs or none of that stuff. And obviously I didn't work out. So during the summer, I switched to the next best thing in sports, and that was sports management. And I double majored that with business and took some business classes and learned a little about economics and why the have and the have-nots exist and where there's a profit, there will always be a deficit, and why capitalism is, you know, the most perfect of imperfect systems out there, but it works, and it's all we have to work with, so we got to work within those confines, but I also learned that it's not all about that. Learn that you don't have to just chase dollars and cents, it's not just a rat race, it's not just you against the world, it's you with the world, you know, and every single day you got to think about the next person, that you're impacting in a positive way, not just how they can benefit you. And I've grown to understand that, and I'm still grown to understand it. Shit, I'm only 26, I just turned 26. And I'm learning a lot more, and I'm gonna continue to do stuff like this and continue to share ideas and 
pick up ideas from other people because that's that's where stuff really comes in, you know. There's some quote out there that says something like, if you have a dollar and another guy has a dollar and then you two come together, you got two dollars. But if you have a dollar and he has a dollar and then you come together and then you take his dollar and then he's left penniless and then you have two dollars. And that might sound nice, but what if he took your dollar? And then you didn't have anything, and then he had two dollars. That wouldn't be fair, would it? Now, I know that doesn't make much sense because <laughs> a fair is a place where they judge pigs, damn it. But it also should exist, man, if you got any type of moral compass and if you know better. So I'm just trying to know better and do better. And I think part of knowing better and doing better is counting trains. It's number five on my count. I could close the window, but it's a nice little summer breeze outside from this shower. But I was saying part of doing better and knowing better is just changing the way you behave. And not just saying things, but actually putting action into faction. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing a lot of that, not just in more podcasting but also more cooking more working out more being the person that i pretend to be on tv as people would say being the type of person that guys pretend to be when they want to get laid as joe rogan would say and just staying motivated out here shit it's tough man you can see how somebody might end up on that Kanye. And I haven't really addressed Kanye too much because I'm going to talk more about it with my buddy Jake on Saturday. But I did read the Ta-Nehisi Coates article and I would recommend anybody who hasn't read that Ta-Nehisi Coates article do so because it's powerful. It's long, extremely lengthy, but I thought it was a good read because it tells a story of a young man who idolize the hero and it's basically a lesson in why we should all recognize these people are human beings and we're all human beings who go through unique experiences but a lot of those experiences are shared because we're on the same plane you know whether you're rich poor or whatever if you got mental health issues or if you're going through a breakup or if you're suffering through a family loss everybody can empathize with that type of pain and everybody can empathize with getting too much at once or experiencing too much at once. You know, the overstimulation and the oversimplification of certain ideas that somebody might have when they get to that place in society. But there's no social dialogue amongst human beings that can't be dismantled by hierarchical thinking and Kanye's on some different level thinking right now that's to me very very harmful to people and the person that's harming most is himself but I'll have more on that when I've had more time to digest that article which I read yesterday and 
maybe write some more thoughts on it myself. And right now, I think it's a good time to probably wrap this thing up. We've been going for about 30 minutes strong, and I didn't even plan to go for that long, you know. I didn't even want to do this thing, but I mustered up the energy to do it, and I think it's one of the better things I've recorded, and I hope people agree. I expect you to like or dislike, comment, review, uh, repost. I haven't come up with any type of website or RSS feed, but that's the next step so we can get this thing up on iTunes and get some real, real tracking methods in place. But for right now, I just got my SoundCloud, which I just started paying seven bucks a month for. So I'm investing in myself, man. I'm investing in myself because I believe that people want this, man. I've just had random friends reach out to me with questions on different stuff. Like, hey, have you seen this? Like, oh, or what do you think about this thing going on? And I'm like, you know, I should just put out a podcast. <laughs> because, you know, I think I have something to say. I think everybody has something to say. It's just whether or not you're articulate enough to put it out there or if you want somebody else to think for you. And I'm not the type to want somebody else to think for me. And that's not to say that everybody that doesn't put out a podcast wants somebody to think for them, but I think that everybody who isn't doing something to exercise their intellectual curiosity, whether it be reading or with their hands or some type of intellectual exercise, you're doing yourself a disservice because that brain needs to work. And for me, speaking with my mouth and using my verbiage, vernacular, whatever you want to call it, the word, I, it's, it's very important to me. Another B word. Alliteration out here. Validation. But we're going to wrap up on a song. Um, I should have been doing a live broadcast on Instagram with this so people that were tuning in or chose to listen to me could give a song suggestion for me to wrap up on. But since it's just me, I'm going to choose to go out on uh, whatever Alexa suggests. Alexa, play some 80s R&B music I would like. Oh, shit, she didn't hear me. I couldn't find any 80s R&B songs. She said she couldn't find any 80s R&B songs. Dang. Just as the train goes by. Alexa. Play some 80s R&B music I would like from Amazon Music Unlimited. Here's a station for 80s R&B music. 80s R&B from Amazon Music. I guess that's what we're going out on. Alexa made the choice. I hope everybody enjoyed. We're about a minute over. But we're going to go ahead and celebrate the times. Much more. Like Whitney, Sarah Nugent. I do believe this is Whitney Houston. If I'm wrong, tell me about it. <laughs>